Rise and shine. Today on am to dm it's Spirit Day. We're talking about that messy White House meeting, and I'm sitting down with Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher from The Office. We'll see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching am to dm Hello. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Friday Eve, Thursday day, you know, almost to the weekend. We, we have made it. We have, and we've been very busy this week. We have. Extracurriculars, I yes. think. Yes. Uh, <laughs> last night, I went to the Casey Musgraves concert sure at Radio City Music Hall, and it was just everything I hoped oh. it would be and more. The effects, the lighting effects, I mean, the music was incredible, as mm-hmm. is expected, um, but the lighting effects were really just arresting in the moment. It looked so gay. It, it was extremely <laughs> gay. She is a gay icon. She is, she is. So, so yeah, she has a song, uh, Follow Your Arrow, that is like an LGBTQ anthem because she was mm-hmm. one of the uh, first country stars to really affirm LGBTQ people. Yeah. Um, and they're, just the show is like really colorful anyways. There's mm-hmm. a ton of rainbows. Ooh. So it was just like, I love, you know, love, love. a queer celebration. And Casey Musgraves, you should be noted, you know, before she blew up this past year when she won the, the Grammy, uh, she was really pro-LGBTQ. So yeah. she's been ride or die forever. So we live for you, girl. Yes, so I and love that. you also had a late night. I did, I did. I went and saw this wonderful play called The Inheritance that is out now. It just came to New York from London. Um, it's a new play about a generation of queer people, mostly gay men, dealing with the impact of the HIV AIDS epidemic of the 80s here in New York and how it's still impacting us today. So it's really, really moving. It is seven hours long. You see it in two parts. I saw part one and I will be seeing part two because it was that lovely. And also I've never been, okay, this is quite a statement by the way. I've never been to a Broadway show that is so gay in terms of the audience. And Broadway shows are quite gay, but literally it was just Fire Island had been moved to Broadway. I'm here for it. We were having a kid. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. And you know, we are lucky enough that we get to do so many different things with our community. Every single day on this show, we get to talk about being LGBTQ all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's still it's still really challenging out there, especially it's, for young people. It's so challenging. And as you probably noticed, we're wearing the same t-shirt and that's not a coincidence because today is Spirit Day and we have a tweet here from Glad. In 2010, high schooler Brittany McMillan wrote a social post asking friends to wear purple in memory of LGBTQ youth who died by suicide. It went viral and Glad helped grow it into the most visible anti-bullying campaign in the world, Spirit Day. Yeah, so, I mean, here's what we know. We know that LGBTQ youth uh, disproportionately face bullying. We know that this leads to poor mental health outcomes. Um, We know that LGBTQ youth are subject to uh, more violence. And so we're really here to say we are not okay with that at all. Exactly. And we want to live in a world where LGBTQ young people can thrive no matter who they love or uh, how they identify. Yes, and what you see if you look at the research around bullying in schools, especially with adolescents, is that it's not always people who identify as LGBTQ that are getting the brunt of LGBTQ bullying. It's a lot of people that are perceived as queer or that are just different. So they lump us all into this little category of being too gay or too whatever, um, and they bully us. So, you know, this issue today is not just about the kids that are willing to be so brave and be open about being LGBTQ, but it's about every kid that is getting bullied for just being themselves and get thrown in as like a queer that needs to be beat up. So, you know, it's about all of us and our experiences. So today is a very special day uh, to talk about that. And I know growing up, um, I would hear uh, a lot of people make homophobic remarks. Mm -hmm. And that definitely had an impact on me where I was so afraid to even talk to people about being bisexual and talk to people about being queer. And then 
coupled with the just lack of representation um, that I think we especially experienced growing up, um, it just makes it really hard and really mm-hmm. scary and really upsetting. And yes. nobody should have to deal with that. Exactly, they shouldn't. And you know, today's a really great day to really wear your purple and show people that you are an ally of the community or if you're a member of the community that you're out and proud because it does change lives. I've had so many messages over the years from friends of mine in college who were closeted who saw just because I was too gay on TV or too gay in an article, they decided to live and stand in their truth more openly. Yeah. So it does mean something to wear purple today because it is a visible uh, visible marker out in the street to know that you're out and you're proud or you at least care about us. Exactly. Like, like some straight people out there, I hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, you know, not only do we want to hold space for the memory of LGBTQ mm-hmm. youth who have been um, subject to vol- bullying, um, but we also want to celebrate trans and queer youth. Yes. We love you. We think you're amazing. And we just want the world to be a better and safer place. So, Amen. Yes. So let's take it to the timeline. How are you celebrating Spirit Day? Show us your purple. Tweet us some pictures with the hashtag AM to DM. Yes, give us those photos, girls. Please. All right. Well, here's a tweet from NBC News. Breaking U.S. House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings has died, his office says. Here's a tweet from Aaron Haynes. Born a sharecropper's son on January 18, 1951, Cummings was told he was too slow to learn and spoke poorly, and he would never fulfill his dream of becoming a lawyer. He died at 68 as one of the most powerful committee chairmen in the U.S. House. Mm, let's go live from the district with Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod. Good morning. Good morning. So, Paul, Representative Elijah Cummings has passed away this morning. What do we know so far about his death? Yeah, it's been a shocking and saddening thing to wake up to for uh, many of us here around D.C. Elijah Cummings was you know, hugely well-respected, but also extremely well-liked. Uh, he was sort of one of these... Uh, these icons is larger than life figure. So it's, it's, uh, it's been just quite a shocking morning. Uh, he has quite visibly been in poor health, uh, for some time. He would use a, a walker recently. He had had heart surgery previously. And then there were complications that uh, had him in and out of the hospital a lot over the last couple of years. We don't know what the specific cause of death is, but his office has said that it is tied to a long standing health condition he's had. So you mentioned that a lot of people have expressed uh, shock. Um, how, what other reactions have you seen uh, in particular from elected officials? Yeah, I mean, there's been an outpouring of support uh, on both sides of the aisle. I mean, we, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, people crossing uh, political lines. Uh, in Elijah Cummings' case, that really, that really was what, how he operated. Uh, you know, you, you see some of these, these high-profile committee chairs where there's, there's real acrimony uh, between Republicans and Democrats. And uh, that was not the case. I mean, fav- I just keep thinking of his, his friendship with Mark Meadows, who is a Republican who was very uh, involved in the Tea Party or in the, um, the Freedom Caucus, which is associated with the Tea Party. Uh, they could not be more apart politically in terms of what they advocate for and believe. Uh, and yet they had a, a genuine friendship. I mean, not just a respect, a, a, a truly genuine friendship. Mark Meadows put out a statement today saying this, just saying he was heartbroken. Uh, so, I mean, it's been, you know, there, there are a few people that are, are uh, kind of more well-respected than, than Elijah Cummings. Uh, one, one thing we have not seen yet is any word, as of a, a few minutes ago when I last checked my phone, um, not seen anything from the president, uh, which is noteworthy because, of course, Elijah Cummings was chair of the Oversight Committee and one of the powerful Democratic chairmen investigating President Trump. Mm, yes. And, you know, Paul, fill us in to what will happen with those investigations now that Elijah is no longer there. He was so powerful in <clears throat> them through um, the House. Yeah, it was, well, the investigations will continue. Of course, someone else will have to take over as chairman of the committee. I don't know who that will be yet. Um, those investigations are are certainly going to continue, but under new leadership. And committee chairs are very 
powerful and influential in how they wield their you know, subpoena powers, their various powers. So, uh, yeah, th- I mean, it's hard to say right now, of course, but, you know, this, things could really change. Mm. Well, here's a tweet from Trish Regan. I have obtained a copy of Trump's letter to Erdogan. The president warns him to not be a tough guy, don't be a fool, says he could destroy Turkey's economy if Syria is not resolved in a humane way. And here's a tweet from Katie Rogers. Felt the need to ask White House if this this was actually real, and it is. Paul, seems like everyone is having the same reaction. Is this real? So what was your reaction to the letter when you first read it? Oh, I thought it was real. I mean, if you look at it, it's like how you can always tell whether Trump's tweets are written by himself or by a PR person. And this is usually the statements uh, for the PR people, but clearly this was written in his voice. Even the the sort of dis, you know the, the mix of of uh, cajoling and uh, let's make a let's make a deal here, and then threats in the very next sentence. Uh, the ending of yeah, don't be a tough guy, don't be a fool. I'll call you later. I mean, this is very much the way Trump actually speaks. I mean, it really just came off as a, a longer version of some of his tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like tweets attached together as a yeah. letter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the letter was sent on October 9th. Can you talk us through what was happening at the time? Uh, just just when it was sent, and I guess uh, you know, yeah. there was any impact at all. I, there was, it was a pivotal time. I mean, so it was, I think, less than a week since American, America had removed its troops from northern Syria. It was the day that the Turkish military had started bombarding Kurdish forces that were that are allied with America. Uh, so this was the start of the offensive that we've seen continues to this day. That letter quite obviously did not uh, convince Turkish President Erdogan to in any way uh, avert or change his course from attacking the Kurds. It was not effective. Mm. So Pins and Pompeo are on a trip to Ankara today. What can we expect from their meeting with the President Erdogan? They're there to break, uh, to broker a, a ceasefire. Uh, I would be truly stunned if they were able to accomplish that in no small part because just yesterday, uh, Trump quite publicly undercut them saying this is not uh, our problem. Uh, you know, the Kurds were no saints. I mean, making it very clear that America is not going to put troops back in the region. So now that Trump has removed any and all leverage, uh, I can't really imagine how they're going to go in there and come back with any sort of deal. Well, uh, let's get to uh, some more things that happened yesterday. Here's a tweet from Sarah Mims. Democratic leaders say they walked out of White House meeting on Syria after Trump increasingly turned the focus from Middle East and onto them and attacked Pelosi. Pelosi, quote, what we witnessed on the part of the president was a meltdown, sad to say. Um, The president tweeted out a a photo of Pelosi standing uh, during the meeting. Uh, This is now a a photo that she has on her Twitter account. Um, From the various accounts of this meeting, what appears to have gone down? Yeah, I mean, and you, it's worth reading. That you can, there's a story on BuzzFeed News about it. It's worth reading the whole thing because every detail is kind of crazy down to Trump saying, I hate ISIS more than you. And anyway, But what's clear is that while both sides are accusing each other of uh, having a meltdown, um, Trump saying that Pelosi stormed out in a huff, uh, Pelosi saying we need to pray for Trump's uh, sanity right now because he went on this unhinged tirade. Uh, Trump did ultimately insult Pelosi, called her a third-rate politician, and she uh, left the meeting after that. Her and uh, the, her Democratic uh, colleagues left the meeting after that. Uh, it's a complete meltdown. Uh, relationship between Trump and Congress right now are about as strained as they have ever been in his presidency. Mm, and there seems to be some tensions growing between Trump and, and Senator Lindsey Graham, who is can openly condemning his yeah. actions in Syria. Tell us about that, Paul. <laughs> And not just Lindsey Graham, though he is very prominently one of the Republicans who is critical of the president. I mean, overwhelmingly, there are some exceptions, but overwhelmingly, Republicans are uh, 
uh, angry, uh, uh, disappointed. I mean, they're, they're, they're flustered. They don't really know what to do, but they completely disagree with Trump's approach to the Middle East. We just saw a majority of the House of Representatives, a strong majority with every single Democratic member, uh, vote to condemn Trump's Middle Eastern policies, uh, to his withdrawal from northern Syria. In the Senate, uh, everyone all the way up to Mitch McConnell is condemning his moves. Now, the, the, the question is here, can they actually do anything about it? And it does not look like they're going to take that next step where they start to apply any kind of real pressure on Trump to change course. It's just a war of words at the moment. But this is also happening at a time where Trump needs his allies more than ever, given that he is in the, the midst of being potentially impeached by the House. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more uh, about impeachment and about Senator Mitch McConnell. Mm. Um, you actually tweeted a, about a uh, Republican Senate lunch yesterday mm. where um, McConnell uh, was walking everyone through uh, an impeachment trials lesson. Um, what does this seem to indicate to you? I would say it's a, it's safe to say that an, a large amount of uh, Republicans in the Senate expect to now conduct this trial. They are purely expecting that the House will impeach President Trump, articles of impeachment will come over. And this was not a hypothetical, you know, here's what might happen. It's, look, this is what's going to happen. And basically the course that Mitch McConnell laid out is that there is going to be a public trial in the Senate. Uh, the, it's kind of wonky. So how it works is that lawyers from the House, presuming they impeach, would serve as a prosecution. Lawyers from the White House, representing Trump, would serve as a defense. The senators are themselves the jury. So they have to sit there silently as uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, he will actually oversee the trial. And it's going to go every day a week for six, or sorry, six days a week uh, with only Sundays off uh, for potentially several weeks, uh, So, it, which is going to play out, by the way, also leading up to Christmas. So this is what we have to look forward to. Wow. Well, I do want to read one tweet before we go. Um, Donald J. Trump has tweeted himself uh, about oh. Elijah Cummings. He says, my warmest condolences to the family and many friends of Congressman Elijah Cummings. I got to see firsthand the strength, passion, and wisdom of this highly respected political leader. His work and voice on so many fronts will be very hard, if not impossible, to replace. So um, perhaps something more measured than, I think, uh, could have been anticipated. That's, yeah, that's a bit of a relief. I mean, he has tweeted some nasty things about uh, Elijah Cummings in the past because of this investigation that I think a lot of us were just thinking, oh, God, how is this going to go? But that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. That, that was what his yeah. thing. I have relief. About yes, it. yes. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. Have a good one. Ooh, a lot going on. A lot, a lot happening. Just, you know, we always think we can fit more and more, or we think we can't fit more in a day. And then Trump does something, and it's like, da, 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 so much. So, mm -hmm. all right, well, later on, actors Angela Kinsey and Jen Jenna Fisher chat with Alex. But up next, comedian Joe Coy is here to help me with Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Welcome back. I'm joined by comedian Joe Coy, whose new special, Joe Coy, Coming In Hot, is on Netflix now. Joe is going to help me get through these little fire tweets. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to post. <laughs> he was trying to post on Instagram I, and, and it, failed. It was like 40 seconds. I thought, oh, I got plenty of time. I it's, can't even open it. It's I fine, old Joe. eyes. You, but you look good with the old eyes. How old are you? You don't want to know. Man, look, <laughs> I, this was me on my Instagram. <laughs> I can't see anyone. I feel, uh, anyways, that we'll, was embarrassing. We'll give you a pass. I'm going to post it. Twitter, do not drag him for this. No. It was Instagram. He knows how to use Twitter. Uh, done. Well, for this game, we're going to press a button, read yes. a tweet, and have a little joke. Let's go. All right. I'll go first to show you how it's done. Seven, you tweet it. Throwing out your 
your grandparents' Tupperware that is all margarine containers is a sure bet to be written out of their will. <laughs> Do you relate? Have you been kicked out of a will lately? Look, uh, first of all, the Tupperware thing, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, to this day, my mom still stores stuff in a you know, country crock or, or a daisy sour yes. cream. I didn't even, you know, I don't even think I've ever even had daisy sour cream. <laughs> To be honest, it's always like spaghetti sauce or... Did she have it once and just kept the container Yes! <laughs> I don't think I've ever had Daisy sour cream. 100%. It's always something... Have you? No, it's, I don't think so. I've had the go. butter. Well, I, there you go. I think my mom's going to give me that when, when she passes. Take my Daisy sour cream container. It's going to be vintage and worth yeah. a lot of money. You should <laughs> <Yes>. sell it. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yep. Go for it. Boom. Okay. Where, where am I reading? Right here? Yes. Okay, Melissa, you tweeted, yeah, heartbreak sucks, but have you ever been to Costco and they're not handing out free samples <laughs> all the time? You're a big I Costco get fan. I so mad. <laughs> I love Costco. I have a membership just for that. Really? Yeah, that and, uh, of course, contacts. Like, I always lose my contacts, mm-hmm. so it's like you can always get them at a Costco, but it's like, it's the snacks. It, what's your favorite snack at Costco? It's whenever they cook, like, soups. I'm a soup guy, so whenever okay. they have a soup, it's like, come on, man. How many soups can you give me a whole can? <laughs> Do you not eat lunch before you go to Costco? No, when you go to Costco, first of all, the, the chicken bake is phenomenal. Let, let's get, look at me. Like, I'm a Costco representative. It's the pizza slice okay. and the chicken bake and the samples. That's it. And oh. my contacts. That's the only reason why I have it. Facts are facts, America. Facts there you go. Are the menu. All right, I got another one for you. Naomi, yes. you treat it. Are my parents the only ones who don't know the appropriate times to use emojis? Mom talking about some dinner's ready, tongue sticking out with winky face emoji, smirk emoji. The fuck you cook, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't work Instagram. Do you know the emojis? Uh, I don't use any emojis. I'm still using colon parenthesis. Okay. smile. I swear. I'm I'm the worst when it comes to emojis. Gen Z kids like that because it's nostalgic. Yeah. So you may be ahead of the curve, actually. Oh, good. You've gone backwards. So, like... That's right. It is Gen Z, right? I keep saying millennial. It's Gen Z. I'm a millennial and I'm getting old. Oh. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening. You know the security guard that let me into BuzzFeed? I I hugged him. I go, us bald guys have to stay together. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And then he he goes, yeah, some people can't wear it because they have things like in the back of their head. And I go, do you mean this thing? <laughs> I used to like you till we got on the elevator. And then so, he goes, that's wisdom. I go, oh wisdom. My, I'm carrying wisdom? You're, you should, you're, that's my experience. <laughs> he goes, he goes, that's experience. I feel like a I've lot. never applied for a job. They go, do you have any experience? And I went, you're, yeah, it's right here. <laughs> Did I get the job? <laughs> That's my experience. That's, that's good. I have no experience. See? That, that's beautiful. My head used look to this. look like that. <laughs> well, I have my future. Present. Future. All right. Tweet of the day comes from you. Do you want to hit the, the button? Oh, please. Together? Boom. Is this me? Yep. Where am I? You're right Don't here. Don't you hate me? Uh, is carbon... Oh, my God. I really did tweet this. Is carbonation a flavor? Because flat Coke tastes like shit. <laughs> and that's the truth. What the fuck? I got this tweet sent to me. It did blow my mind. It does. I was like, holy shit, you're right. I'm 100% <laughs> you're right. completely right. And I know everyone in here believes me. You don't have to be a Coca-Cola drinker. Mm-hmm. When it's flat, it tastes like fucking cough syrup. So tell me, Coke, is carbonation a flavor? No, Coke, tell me, is Coke just cough syrup carbonated? Is it? You just blew my mind. That's another tweet. Questions. Let's there we go. Let's that right now. <laughs> well, we if put- you carbonate NyQuil, is it Coke? Lil Wayne would love that. 
Hands down. Boom, boom. Well, let's let's stop talking talk about other Drop people. Let's buzzer. get into you. Well, here's a tweet uh, from Brett about your new Netflix special okay. that I'm going to read. If you haven't already, uh, go watch Joe Coy's Netflix stand-up special. Thank me later. Aww, I so love for you, Brett. The, for those who haven't seen the new special, what are some things they can expect? Um, you know, this one was uh, really special to me because. Uh, my son is a lot older, okay. so it was fun to talk about. You know, the earlier specials, it, it seemed to hit that, that that frame when he was just like a little kid. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it's like living with an adult, and, and it was fun to talk about him. And you know, like a mini, like a mini dude, yeah, like a frat house dude, yeah, just a dirty man. And there's a detail that you joke about in there about his masturbation habits. One hundred percent. Why did you bring this up? This poor boy because has it, no secrets who anymore. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares, man? You know the key to telling the joke. And this is uh, my, my this is my number one rule when I talk about mm-hmm. my son. I always make sure to say that I did it too. Oh, that's okay. my key. You know, like if I'm gonna embarrass him, I'm gonna be like, all right. Uh, like if I do ten percent on him, I'm gonna do eighty percent on me. Okay, just so he's he's comfortable. And he knows because that one that was a pretty deep joke. Yeah, I mean that's really going it's, in there. Yeah, it was a lot. And I did you describe the whole size and everything? Mm-hmm. I had to. I had to. Is he getting more calls from potential DMs? Yes, he DMs gets DMs. They don't care. See, you're doing him a favor. Can but I tell ha- you something what I do now? Yeah. Okay, because you brought it. You brought up I, the masturbation joke. Okay. Listen, this is what I do, and I'm, this is for all the parents that are watching right now, all right? Buy your six-year-old boy his own loaf of bread. Ask me why. Why? Because I saw my son scratch his dick and then make a sandwich. <gasps> And oh, that's the truth. no. That, no. Don't be grossed out by that. These are facts, and that's what happens when you have a six-year-old boy. Can't They're you disgusting. Just... He walked, watch this. I'm, I'm, he doesn't even know I'm watching him. He walks into the kitchen, hand in there. Mm-hmm. They always have it underneath their, uh, their uh, boxers, and then he went like this, and then just made his own sandwich. No, I no would just, more. I would just teach my son to wash his hands or to move out. One of those things. <laughs> You're gonna kick your six-year-old kid out. Yes. Bye. Sorry, Did I'm you not, just? I'm not saying that. Once. No, Did I you just never. make dick bread? Get out of here. <laughs> okay. Before I let you go, you know your show is really. <laughs> Come on. I just can't with this. Okay, but let's pull it together. Okay, yes. your show is on Netflix. Streaming Thank platforms you. are really pushing out a yes. lot of new content. What yeah. do you think these new uh, platforms are doing to comedy itself when we're doing Oh, it? man, it finally gave us uh, a home. Mm-hmm. It, it was hard, man. You know, this is my 30th year, and uh, I remember year number 15, I was working at Nordstrom Rack. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Nordstrom Rack? Yeah, I've Rack? totally heard of it. And I was, I was putting shoes up on the rack and, and literally, like, contemplating about quitting Stand up mm-hmm. because I, I couldn't get a platform. I couldn't get an hour special. It, mm-hmm. it was it was hard to get those back in the day, and uh, and I remember I finally got the Tonight Show, and, and it took me 15 years. And you know those spots are like very rare. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're like back then. It was like maybe they gave eight comics a spot a yeah. year. There's hundreds and hundreds of comics. So. Now that you have this special, and, not, and I'm not saying that just because of these streaming services, now everyone gets a special. You still have to be funny. Yeah. I'm just saying that now we have a home, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it, it's great, man. You, you get to see some comics that you probably would have never heard no. about. Never, man. It's like me. Which is making, <laughs> well, we knew about you before Netflix. Thank you. So you don't have to worry about that. But you know what's crazy is I didn't get my Netflix special. A lot of people always go, oh, Joe, Joe blew up because of that Netflix special, man. They said no to me. Oh, really? Yeah, they said no to me three times. <laughs> and uh, and then finally, I just, I, I had the money and uh-huh. I shot it myself. And then they were like. So the, the first one, this one they paid for, but the first one live from Seattle. Oh, yeah. I paid for that, man, yeah. out of my own pocketbook. So it's like, you know, 
Do it yourself. Yes. Don't ever wait for someone to say yes. And, and God bless you, Netflix. I love you. But. Yes, but if you can't invest in yourself, then you're not doing anything worth doing. And that's Yo, what we're going to leave. Was that this? Wisdom. Was right that there. Wisdom? wisdom. Right there. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're hugging. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Joe. We're, we're out of time. Be sure to watch Joe Coy's new special, Coming In Hot, on Netflix. And tickets to his Just Kidding World Tour are available now. More Aim to DM is up next. You're handsome. Oh, my God. Handsome boy. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Rakeson. Alexa, play Rise and Shine by Kylie Jenner. Let's take a look. We're gonna wake Stormy up and get out of here and show you guys her room. Rise and shine. <laughs> Here's a tweet from KSC. Testing out my custom Kylie Jenner Rise and Shine alarm ringtone. <laughs> rise and shine, rise and shine, rise and shine. You know, at first it was like kind of okay, and now it's like uh, I can't take this. It's just like I'm laughing because I want to cry. Like, how did the Kardashians become this powerful that that video, if you cannot notice, has over four million views from just two days ago? Like, what? What? She's just saying rise and shine, but it is beautiful. Like, uh, like Kendall or not Kendall, Kylie, Jesus, this got is, them all this, confused. This is that. I mean, Kylie. this speaks to the fact that we, this made it so far that we are now talking about it. Yes. So, like, yeah. it has consumed a lot of our morning, actually. Yes, it has. <laughs> it is, but it, it makes sense because, you know, we as a generation are really fond of the sounds that our phones make. You know, when they first we came are. out, we were really into, um, you know, our ringtones being music when that finally became a thing, uh, and the ringback tones, which became a thing, and then died. I don't know if everyone remembers this, but there was a moment in which you could have a song play when you called someone and said, You of the could. Ring, and it was trash. Don't and you know what? I am actually, I think maybe sometime last year I called someone and they had a ringback tone and I was mortified. floored. <laughs> I was mortified. I was floored. I was just shocked because I was like, I didn't know that anybody was still doing that. I think Verizon still makes it a thing. Okay. But you know, what's interesting about it is that why we pick these songs is because they're supposed to say something about us. Even using a Kylie Jenner as your alarm says something about you or where you fit into the world. And we will judge you for it, is what I may saying. judge you for <laughs> that. Kidding. But there are other things that, you know, I won't judge you for. No, there are. Like my roommate in college, freshman year, had one Kanye West song that I can never remember the name oh. as his alarm. And I now, when it plays anywhere, I got shake. No, see, that's the thing is like, because now you associate it with the feeling of having to get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one ringtone. I had an ACDC ringtone when I was in college. You're so punk. I mean, I I thought I was being punk, but now I'm just like, oh, I I cringe thinking of myself. But, um, you know, like it makes me think what song would I pick today if I had to do this Uh again? And I was actually thinking I would probably go with something that's like a little bit of a throwback so that it would be more of a classic. Like, you know, the beginning of the TLC song Creep? Yes. Just, I can't just, sing it here, but you know, it's just like a little instrumental. Yes. I was like, that one wouldn't be mm-hmm. terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I know this. You, Sorry, I was getting one? really into that moment. I was just like, <laughs> I guess it would way be a good back. one. Yeah. Um, you know, I do use a song to wake up to every morning. <laughs> And it's by Blood Orange, and it's called Best uh, Best of You. And it does not get old for some reason. And I even when I hear it in public, it does soothe me. Mm. So I think you do have, and that Blood Orange's album means a lot to me. It was like yeah. an album I listened to a lot when I moved to LA. So it has a lot of uh, kind of intimate feelings to me. Uh, so I think like that would still be it. If I had a song mm. play, it'd be Best of You, um, or Best For You. I forget the white version. Don't quote me on that. Um, but Blood Orange, something soft. Something soft. Nice. Something easy breezy. But these like really vibrant, like eh, eh, whatever, no. I'm I don't want anything that's going to, like, shock me out of bed in the morning. Like an alarm? Like an alarm. Exactly. (laughs) That's why I have such issues with 
the Apple, you know, the iPhone alarm anyways. Which, before we go, because we got to go, do not ever make the Apple alarm, your phone call, your actual phone ringtone or anything, just for notes. So please don't do that. But let's take it to the timeline. What song would you pick for your ringtone today? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. Up next, I'm talking to Liz Plank about her new book, For the Love of Men. (laughs) Here's a tweet from Justine Davey. Talked it over with a friend and decided that For the Love of Men, A Vision for Mindful Masculinity by Liz Plank is essentially required reading for any men in our lives. Possibly everyone. It's the book that keeps on giving. Joining me now is the author of For the Love of Men, Liz Plank herself. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan. Oh, thank and you. And sweater. I can't. You it's know what? It's, it's, we're wearing purple for spirit day. We are. So, oh, I like know, that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so for it when it was like a blizzard outside or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, what I found so fascinating about this book is that you are someone who has um, dedicated your career to telling stories about how the patriarchy impacts mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. So why did you want to turn a lens on men for this? Yeah. So I would be in these rooms where we would have incredible conversations, right, about feminism, about gender equality, about reproductive rights, what we were going to do post-2016. And I started looking around and being like, it seems like there's (laughs) like half of us are missing. I don't know where they are. Maybe we should go find them and see what they think. Uh, And possibly that would be a much better way for us to have an actual impact and be more productive. And so I started uh, being very interested in men and talking to men. And once I started talking to them, I started realizing that a lot of men were hurting women in their Mm. lives. We've all been hurt by men Mm. uh, in our lives, Um, but they were hurt. They were hurting us because they had been hurt too. Mm. And the same system patriarchy um, is actually kind of a pyramid scheme. Uh, a lot of men don't actually benefit it's from it. Scheme. It yeah. truly is. Uh, just look at the White House, right? Um, there's one guy at the top who's benefiting, yeah. and then all of the guys who followed and uh, you know along with him are either subpoenaed in jail yeah. or on Dancing yeah. with the Stars. So um, yes, indeed, not a happy ending. Well, we're gonna get patriarchy. we're gonna get more to yeah. that guy. But you write that you were actually dumbfounded by yeah. what you found. So um, talk me through some of the reporting and writing that made you feel that way. Why yeah. Yeah, I I would just ask very simple questions. Uh, One of the first things I did was this social experiment in Washington Square Park with Esther Perel. And we had this uh, table that said free advice for men from a woman uh, and wanted to see what kinds of questions men would come uh, and ask us. And one thing that I just asked every guy who came uh, to our table was what's hard about being a man. Mm. And every guy looked at me like I'd asked him if unicorns can swim, right? They Mm. just kind of Uh, had never really thought about that before. Maybe we hadn't given them permission or the language to really have that conversation and engage with their gender, right? Because being a man, uh, being a woman is uh, a gendered experience Mm -hmm. and so is being a man. And so that's when I realized, first of all, there's a male code that I'm definitely Mm going to break, right? And as a journalist, when someone doesn't really want to talk about something, you want to ask like, 30 more questions mm-hmm. you want to ask even more. And so I would just ask, uh, yeah, very simple questions and, and would get very thoughtful, beautiful, um, deep responses. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I knew that this was a really important mm-hmm. conversation. And yeah. you write about a lot of different um, masculinity myths as well. And you find that one of the biggest consequences of all of this is shame. Yeah. Yeah. Shame is at the root of, I know, Brene Brown, obviously mm-hmm. the foremost expert on shame, um, has talked a lot about this. And women have a lot of conversations about shame, right? This uh, 
for women, it's um, more the desire to be perfect or the feeling that you're imperfect, right? Your body's not perfect. You're not a perfect girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You're not a perfect uh, mother. And for men, it's more weakness. Uh, so men uh, from a very young age are uh, told that they must be strong all the time. And if mm-hmm. they show weakness, it's uh, really so- something that they're told that they are not real men for, right? So there's something wrong with mm-hmm. you if you fail. There's something wrong with you if you are you know, not able to do something, mm-hmm. uh, like lift, I don't know, a box, uh, right? So, so these uh, the, the, these moments really actually traumatize uh, men when they're very young and when they're boys, and then further in their lives, if they don't have the language or the ability to really talk about how scarring those experiences were, they're just going to carry that shame into their lives. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the things it's we're in such an interesting moment now because it seems that there is such an intentional force that is still trying to perpetuate and uphold a lot of these myths. Yeah, and right. And I want to talk a little bit about President Trump um, more specifically. Yeah, um, you <laughs> the read about poster how he child. Was, yes, he, he was he was successful because he uh, promised to uphold this fixed system mm. um, of gender. Um, how has he really yeah. capitalized on fears around uh, masculinity and and especially uh, from white men? Yeah, I think that uh, we don't realize how if efficient he is at speaking to the pain of men in this country mm. because there is pain, right? And and that's uh, the part that often in. Uh, unfortunately, in, in, in feminist spaces, doesn't get acknowledged mm. because we rank pain, right? We mm. say, well, women have all this pain, and women do. But main, men also have a lot of pain. And what Donald Trump is doing when he's speaking to the camera is that he's saying, I see you, and I hear mm. you, and I know that you're in pain, and here's how I'm going to solve it. Uh, you know, people of color and women are the problem, right? right? right. Uh, and so he's giving the wrong solution to the problem, and so are all of these groups, like the alt-right, Jordan Peterson, the Proud yeah, Boys. Yeah. They're all tapping into a real, real pain. What we need to do as progressives is give a different kind of solution, which we do, right? Progressives um, actually have a lot of policies that make lives better for men, healthier for men. Uh, Countries that have a lot of gender equality, which is basically more progressive policies, men live longer, they're less likely to die of a violent death, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're less likely to be divorced. Um, And uh, feminism and gender equality, so women being equal participants in our society, can even be an an antidote to male suicide. Um, and we know in this country, uh, you know, the vast majority of gun deaths are not mass shootings. It's su- death by suicide, and 80% of those deaths are men killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real, again, there's pain there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of shame there. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to respond to that mm-hmm. as policymakers, as uh, you know, heads of organizations, and, and, and I think uh, you know, politicians and elected officials mm-hmm. have to do that. Well, one of the things that I uh, appreciated about this is that I think a lot of times we get um, different kinds of analyses around all of these systems, but we don't always get actually solutions. And I yeah. feel like this has per- been a moment where there are men in my life who are like, listen, I don't want to get this wrong. Like, I want to get this yeah. right. I, I want to. I want to understand how to talk about this. Yeah. I want to understand, um, you know, how to navigate um, new social norms. Yeah. So, I guess, um, what advice do you have for men now? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what what can they be doing to to be proactive, to be thinking about this on their own? Yeah, I think that we all need to have more empathy, and that doesn't mean not holding people accountable and people not holding themselves accountable. But I think that we have to, uh, you know, have a a goal of where we want sort of men to to be in our society and and women to be in that place be equal, but also have empathy 
that it might be hard to get there for some men, right? It might be hard for a man like, I don't know, even Joe Biden, right? Someone who's <laughs> older and who grew up in a very different world. Uh, I think that a lot of men are just doing the best that they can mm-hmm. with what they've been given. And I think that we have to do a better job of talking about what, what they've been given, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about the collective in all of our conversations, not just around gender, but around race, around LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues, right? We like to cancel people. We like to be, well, you're, you know, you did uh, blackface this one time, and so we're going to cancel you. And that doesn't solve racism, right? Mm-hmm. We need to actually uh, attack the system that makes it okay for people mm-hmm. to do that so that we are not going after individuals. We're going after a collective problem that we're all here to solve. We mm-hmm. all want to create a world that's safer and more loving for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so my solution is the is, is that I offer is decluttering gender. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of all of us, right, uh, looking inside our closets of gender and being like, okay, what's back here? What did I accumulate here um, that I don't want? For women, often it's, you know, do I want to keep uh, worrying about what my body looks like and dieting and all these things that I've taken on? Maybe not. Um, and I think for men, there's equal uh, behaviors and, and, and attitudes that they've taken on that maybe they don't want to hold on to. But I don't want to yeah. tell them what they have to hold on to or not hold sure, on to. Sure, of course. That, of I'm course, not in the business of, of that. We, we, yeah. Well, we can all start the decluttering. Um, I could easily talk to you about this for the rest of the show, <laughs> but unfortunately we have to leave it there. Thank Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. For the love of men, a new vision for mindful masculinity is available everywhere books are sold. Up next, I'm sitting down with Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher from The Office. Here's a tweet from Christiana. Almost finished rewatching The Office. Next up, I'm going to rewatch The Office. I'm so excited to be joined by Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher, two stars from The Office who just launched a new podcast called Office Ladies, just in time for your fourth or fifth rewatch of the series. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Hi. So I can't believe it's the 15th anniversary that we're coming up on um, of this show. Yes. And um, now it's the most watched show on Netflix. So what is it like for you to watch it have the second life? It's I love so it. Exciting. It's so Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. The office was so meaningful to us. Mm-hmm. It's how we became best friends. It changed our lives. It's the best job I've ever had. So for people to still keep finding it and loving it mm. and enjoying it as much as I enjoyed making it, it's mm-hmm. great. Mm. Now, um, on your podcast, you unpack uh, different episodes. Is there a particular episode that you're most excited about talking about? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, I I'm know. really excited for the Dundies because we, yeah. I mean, that was so fun to film. Yeah, we're going yeah. in order, I yeah. should say. So we're starting from the beginning and we're watching mm-hmm. it in order. And so we're almost finished with season one. We've almost finished recording season yeah. one. So I'm really looking forward to getting into the injury mm-hmm. from season two. Mm-hmm. Um, casino night, of course. <laughs> yeah, a big casino one. night. Yes. And I mean, every episode when we are watching them, it's fun for us because we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. And so I sort of like, it's like bringing back all of these memories too of things that happened. Yes. And uh, we're just having a really good time. Well, Jenna, I know you've said that uh, you want a a reunion movie and that the cast actually texts and emails um, (laughs) about it. Has anyone discussed any actual scenarios of what would happen or where their characters would be in 2019? We have. We actually, there's a really good idea going around. We can't tell it. We can't. I know. No, you can't. It's It's so good. Okay. So good. But listen, we're we're not in control. So this isn't on us. I mean, we would love it. It's a good idea. But the cast, we fantasize about all getting back together again and doing something. Yes. Yeah. Well, you are not the only ones who are thinking and talking about this because Chrissy Teigen actually recently (laughs) tweeted that she thought Jim and Pam 
wouldn't make it. Um, you said you thought that they would still be happy together. So what's what's your response to of Chrissy's prediction? Of course they're still together. Chrissy! <laughs> I think the one thing she got right is that I do think Pam has an Etsy shop. Mm-hmm, but I yeah. think it's doing very well and Jim is very supportive. It's right. doing great, your Etsy shop. It's going Pam's. great. <laughs> yes. Well, Angela, um, it also seems like most people agree that actually uh, Dwight and Angela would make it? Um, Oh, yeah. How many cats do you think they would have? It's not so much how many cats. I mean, there's hundreds of cats. They have a farm. I mean, she probably went crazy. (laughs) Um, It's how many children. I think, like, there's a lot of little shrews. Like, I just see... 12 boys. I think I do. I I do. I have, like, all boys. Um, something that's kind of funny is that uh, just the office is so popular that it's now become a little bit of a cliche on dating apps. I don't know if you've heard about this at all. Um, we have this tweet from Eve who said, why do guys on dating apps think that that liking the office is a personality trait? <laughs> what do you have, what advice do you have oh. for these dudes? So it's like either you like the office or you don't. They, they just write like they're among their hobbies. Mm-hmm. I guess there are a lot of men who like to write like the office, the office as their as their hobby. Well, I think that's really sweet. <laughs> I, do too. I mean, I, I never thought of it as a hobby. Um, I might encourage you to get outside, fill the great outdoors, I mean, some sunshine. Yeah. But I love that it's <laughs> I love that it's like one of their traits. I think yeah. that's really cute. Yeah, maybe it can help be a filter if you can tell that someone has like good taste or right, uh, right. The, the right sense of mm-hmm. humor. Um, well, your co-star Mindy Kaling actually just recently made headlines um, for saying that she was singled out by the Television Academy. Um, and she had to pre- defend her producer credit um, as the most junior producer and the only woman of color. Um, I'm just wondering, what was your response when when you saw that? I, I did not know about it. We mm, didn't know yeah. about it, and I'm so glad that she spoke up and yeah. said something. Mm-hmm. Because that's, yeah. that's uh, crap. Yeah. So Mindy uh, was one Mindy. of our original writers. Mm-hmm. She started writing and producing on The uh, Office episode one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that there was a response from the Academy that said something like, because she had multiple roles on the mm-hmm. show, it mm-hmm. flagged her. Mm-hmm. And I think my response would be, well, so did B.J. Novak. Oh! So did Mike Schur, And so did Paul Liebstein. They what? were all writer, producer, performers on the show. This lady. So right I guess I would say... So why single out Mindy and not mm-hmm. those gentlemen? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, oh, now my heart is said. racing because I just took yeah. on the TV Academy. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one other thing I was wondering is as you go back and you watch these episodes, you know, just social norms have changed so quickly over the past decade or so. Do you ever have moments where you're like, oh, that didn't age as well as I hoped it would have? Oh, I think the show has that cringy, those cringy, awkward moments. Mm-hmm. And they were cringy and awkward Mm-hmm. Back then, and when we filmed them, there were moments where I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I, I don't know. I think I think they're still the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I heard that you've also saved some of your props from the show. Yes. What's your favorite one? I mean, I'm wearing Pam's earrings right you now. You are? Yeah. This what? is a pair of Pam's wow. earrings. Lady, you I didn't tell me that. We, went, we got or... ready together this morning. <laughs> really? You're also wearing green. So, I don't oh, know. I, I don't know, know how your feel. character it's, feels I know. about that. <laughs> um, I actually saved Dwight and Angela's um, wedding program from their wedding day. So, yeah. it's really cool. And when you open it up, it says all the details of the wedding. The props department had a lot of fun with it. They put a lot of inside jokes yeah. inside of memos oh, or amazing. things yeah. that they would hand us that we would have to use on set. Are there any that just, uh, you know, I guess rediscovering any of those inside jokes that just really... 
like made you crack up years later? I think oh, yeah. that wedding program it's was It's hilarious. Amazing. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, listen, there are so many great office moments and characters that we wanted to play a little game with you. Of okay. Would you rather office edition? Oh. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. You just say, would you rather? So the first one is, would you rather be Jan's assistant or listen to Dwight tell you about Battlestar Galactica for hours on end? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think I would. Maybe listen to Dwight. Yeah, me too. Okay. I think Jan probably <laughs> probably runs a tight ship and is like a little pushy. So, well, it's funny because the dinner party episode is such a fan favorite. Oh yeah. Did you expect it to resonate that much? It's one of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my life. Like that was we laughed so hard filming that. Yeah. That I. It's no surprise to me people love it because we were cracking up. It yeah. was it was hard to get through those takes. Have any of the cast or crew thrown their own dinner parties in the years since? We, not dinner parties, but we used to watch the show together as a cast every week. You know, this was before social media, mm-hmm. before live tweeting. We would just get together in each other's homes and watch the show together. Yeah. And then so that I, was a kind of dinner that party. That was kind of a dinner party. And then I, for a few years, uh, threw a Christmas party, a Yankee swap. And everyone had to bring, and Oscar came. Oscar gets very rowdy. He starts chants, you know, when you steal. <laughs> and Creed came, and you were there, and Brian, like, so that was really fun. Got it. Okay, so next one. Would you rather spend the night on a booze cruise with Michael Scott or go to a swanky New York sushi party with Ryan Howard? Oh, gosh. Oh. I feel like we did spend the night with on the boat with Michael Scott. I feel like booze we cruise, we sort of did that. Maybe swanky sushi. I'd give it a try. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, which party plan by the party planning committee would you like to attend the most in real life? Which mm, party plan? Which party? I mean, I... I mean, come on, you kind of One of the Christmas parties. Yeah, you got to go to a Christmas party. There was always good food at those. Mm -hmm. I feel like we had the best. At least good good desserts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, would you rather go on a double date with Phyllis and Bob Vance or go to a Cornell reunion with Andy Bernard? I want to go on a double date with Phyllis and Bob. (laughs) I want to hear Andy's group sing live. Oh, his acapella group? Yeah, I think I would go to the Cornell reunion. Yeah, no. I mean, I... As a Cornellian myself, I can attest to some of the acapella groups. I mean, it's <laughs> quite an experience. Okay. Um, okay, would you rather have Toby Flenderson be your actual HR rep or have Kevin Malone be your actual accountant? Oh my God, Toby. <laughs> Toby. You don't want Kevin. <laughs> like, the fact that, like, he's, I don't know. We, I like to joke that maybe he had a family friend. Like, that, that they got, <laughs> his dad got him that job. Oh my gosh. Well, it has been so much fun getting to talk to you both. And now it makes me want to go back and rewatch everything like another time. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. And Office Ladies is available now wherever you get your podcasts. More Ains DM is up next. Earlier this year, BuzzFeed asked people to submit questions they were too embarrassed to ask and received over a thousand questions. The result? The newest show to enter the BuzzFeed news universe. This might sound dumb, but... And here with me now to talk more about the show are the, its hosts, David Mack and Samir Mezrahi. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hello, good morning. I, that is how you have to say it. But... but ellipses, but... You gotta go, but... <laughs> the longer, the bigger the fan you are. The bigger the, bigger the but, the bigger mm-hmm. the fan. The bigger the question. Oh. Better the question. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. All right, all right. Well, you He's got a lot of questions in. We got do. everything from why can't the queen in Brexit to how does wind work? How did you go about choosing choosing the questions to break down? Well, we put a call out into the audience onto Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, all our personal networks. Mm-hmm. Um, then we printed them out. We put them in a hat. We shuffled the hat. 
<laughs> we did not. We, <laughs> I was like, that's quite. We, that. we tried to find a good balance of kind of questions that are about different subjects. So like, po- not all politics, not all science, not all kind of random trivia stuff. Mm-hmm. And we hope that the show reflects the kind of multitude of blind spots that people have about the news. Mm. That's for sure. And why did you think now was a perfect time to launch a show like this? I mean, like the news is so crazy, right? Yeah. There's so much going on all the time, and that it's so hard to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. People have questions, yeah. and like I don't know. We thought it would be a good time to answer those yeah. questions. People are embarrassed as well. People are too. embarrassed. But yeah. what embarrassed you about their? Uh, not embarrassed. What surprised you about the embarrassment that was coming through? Were there questions you saw and you were like, "Damn, why are you asking this? This isn't a bad question." Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> have some really crazy questions. There were a lot of sex questions. Oh. Uh, a lot of, I think the sex education system in this country <laughs> might need some assistance. Some next uh, season will be all about sex. Yeah, next season will give you the sex season. Uh, there were a lot of uh, quite complex questions okay. about politics and keeping up with all the impeachment stuff that's yes. going on that we tried to sort out as well. But then there were like other bizarre questions that we've got. I've got a few of my favorite here. Um, how do straight people always seem to know where, when, and what channel the game is on? Wow. Which I... Do you know the answer? I don't know, I the, don't answer. know the answer. To, uh, Siri knows. Yeah, <laughs> Siri. Isn't it just like four or five or six? Yeah, just be like, it's... Basic cable. Yeah, exactly. It's on the sports ki- game. On okay. the sports channel. Okay, well, the you match channel. CNN. <laughs> so, David, you just mentioned impeachment. And yes. we have a clip from this week's episode about that topic. Let's take a look. Peach? Impeach. Oh, impeach. No, not peaches. <laughs> uh... Uh... That's a good question. Um, it's when the president gets put into jail. It's when the you can't be a president anymore. Uh, I don't even know, bro. It's when a sitting president is uh, sued, right? A long, long process that I have no idea. <laughs> wait, wait. Short answer: kicking the president out of out of the office. That is when a president is removed from office. All right, that's pretty good. See, I, pretty look, good. I love this. Is the man on the street section of the show uh-huh. where you go I'm out? The man on the street. He is the man on the street. I'm too ugly to go on the street. Oh please! But he uh, look. You get to see that you're not the only person that has yeah. these questions, and you get some really funny responses as well. So. so we saw impeachment there, but what other questions did people have a hard time getting through? He was the, the hardest mean, one was probably Brexit. They didn't know yeah. what it was. I don't even know. Is it Brexit? Brexit? <laughs> breakfast? It's well, it depends on how upper crust you want to sound with your British. Really? Yeah. There's variants, like actual variants there. I, oh. I, <laughs> I was like, I see, didn't know that. But because you trust me yeah. to give you the answers. See, I got to be careful with what I yeah, say. Yeah, I have Sorry. to be very careful. Right. I'm too powerful. Okay, you, you are becoming quite powerful. Sorry. You're helping educate You're the human Google. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I will, like, there was another one about uh, how to know, how, why do British people drive on the, the quote-unquote wrong side of okay. the road? And I feel like that was one that, I don't know, I was like, until that it came, came through, I never had thought about it. It was one of those mm-hmm. things that you just, just, it's the state of the world, that's how oh, it is. It's just how it is. And then you're like, I want to know the answer to that. They're born okay. that way. <laughs> all right, well, I have a question for you all that okay. I need help answering. Are you ready for this? All right, so this right. Is, you have to say, this might sound dumb. This, but, okay, great. But, <laughs> Let me get it together. All right, this might sound dumb, but okay. why is it that tax exemptions for churches should not be taken away due to homophobia? And why would that reelect President Trump if we did it? Okay, so. You are asking about Beto, right? Yes. This is something Beto's proposal is to try to, like, uh, he's against homophobia, obviously. Mm-hmm. He says that we shouldn't support organizations and institutions like mm-hmm. churches that are homophobic. Uh, that is 
all a matter of policy. There's no right or wrong answer to this, obviously. There's, it's completely subjective. It's all like, what is homophobia? What is the level of homophobia people are comfortable with, especially in a religion? The argument is that if you go after the churches on this, then all every religious voter in this country is going to be turned off the Democrats and re-elect mm. Trump. So that's maybe an argument you disagree with or you agree with, but some answers, there's just no right or wrong answer. It's all a matter of Taste. All right. right. Well, I, okay. Taste is, is that important. you feeling? I feel good. Okay. I feel good about this. Thank you. Okay. We have a few more for you. We're going to oh, go God. really quick through them. And these are also subjective-ish, but not too subjective. Okay. So you're both going to answer right. them He's together. Answer this next Ready? One. All right. So what is cuffing season? Cuffing season is when you roll your cuffs up. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I will go with that. Do yeah. you agree? Yes. Cuffing season is yes, when like uh, the up. police go nuts handcuffing people and just like, it's crazy. No, I, it That's has not to true. Do. Isn't it like dating, uh, finding someone? No. I, is it, <gasps> I wait, we said you were not right. And Buzz, you missed the timer. Sorry, you're correct. It is a time of the year in which people begin to date or get really cuffed next to each other or cuffed with one another to get through the winter. Okay. So finding like a snuggle buddy to keep what Okay. You, what do they do in hot weather? <laughs> I want to get away from people as uncuffed. And <laughs> don't come near me. All right, so the next question is, what is a soft boy? I mean, what's a, you tell me. <laughs> what's a I feel soft like you boy? should take this. No, a soft boy is like, uh, like think, uh, I like to think of, what is his name? Seth in the OC, Seth Cohen. Like, <laughs> he is a soft He's like boy. the ultimate soft boy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of emotional and like sweet mm -hmm. and funny, but also cute and like, you know, I don't know. We, that's, that's actually quite right. good. That was right. good. That was right. Ding. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. There we go. All right. All right. So driving the boat. Last one. What you does, can't even look at the prompter. What, does driving, what the does driving the boat mean? Just being in charge. It means like nautically or? Like? No, just, it's a phrase. You got five seconds. Okay. Driving the boat means to be in charge. Yeah. Be in charge. Be in charge. Nope. Wrong. Bing. No? Nope. It is from Megan the Stallion or she made it popular. It means to drink from the bottle, specifically from cognac. Hennessy. Oh yeah, and it's and you have someone like pouring it back in your mouth. Listen, you should I, be on the show. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I'm, I'm just <laughs> you should replaced. be here for David. <laughs> Look, All right. Well, maybe I'll do it. We'll do a crossover soon. Hot girl summer. So there's no way I was ever going to know that. Oh, but anyway. Well, thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Can't wait to keep watching me learn more about the world, <laughs> and you guys can too with new episodes of This May Sound Dumb dropping every week on Facebook Watch. Up next, we are reading more of your tweets. This might might sound dumb, but Welcome back. We're here. We're here. We're queer. We're queer. Gangster. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Gotcha. Um, that was such a great show. It was so fun. Yeah. Your game with the office gals was really, they were really into it. And when she came for the television academy, I was like, go off, sis. Well, let, let have. Look, they're the all the scenarios that we put them through mm -hmm. are like, you really wouldn't even wanna like, I don't know. You're like neither. You're like neither of these are, are ideal, but I guess I have to pick one. So well, they handle so it. So we'll go well. with it. Yeah, it was really fun. And it's like, you know, funny to go back and watch that series and really mm -hmm. wild just that now, like, I will come across the teens on Twitter who are like, Have you heard of this show, The Office? <laughs> have you heard of like, this yes, show? Yes, of God, course. We're getting old. Yes. Uh, no. Old. Well, yes. You know. I also love, I have to say, love talking to Liz Plank and oh, she's her, fantastic. and the book is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, like one of the things I appreciated about it is that um, it does have these like solutions oriented uh, piece of it so mm -hmm. that you can be like, 
okay, this problem exists. Here are some steps that we can take to try to address it or yeah. think about it differently or like learn about it. Yeah, so, which is my favorite type of book because I hate just complaining about something without an option to fix it or how to get through it. So anything that's like really, you know, service journalism yeah. is perfect for right now. Yeah. You girls are confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great show. And thank you to our guests that made it so great. Paul McLeod, David Mack, Samir Mizrahi, Liz Plank, Joe Coy, Angela Kinsey, and Jenna Fisher. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. with more AM to DM. Have a great day. 